Hello and welcome to Casting Nuts Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I'm joined here with my co-host and all-around brother from another mother, Pastor Dave Rudot. Say hi. Hello. It, you know, today, uh, to, what does today and the presidential election have in common? I do not know. They only happen once every four years. That is true. That is a February 29th joke. <laughs> and so welcome to the show. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, we are missing one of our other co-hosts who has uh, been a, a rudder and sometimes anchor for us to, to keep us on task. And that is our brother, Pastor Endorf. But he has ministry things that he had to get done and uh, opportunities to share and, and, and spread God's word. And so we wish him all the best as he takes care of those things during this time. But as we gather together today, we have been um, kind of pursuing, you know, what's the difference, uh, uh, kind of our theme, overarching theme. We've been dealing with eight doctrines that have divided the church. And today's doctrine, um, just as divisive, I would say, as any other doctrine that we have discussed, but one that is near and dear to my heart, near and dear to your heart, and that is the doctrine of Holy Communion and fellowship that is linked to that doctrine. Um, and so we have an opportunity to dive into that here today. But before we talk about communion and fellowship, we do need a disclaimer. We do need a disclaimer. Uh, folks, Pastor Will Harley and myself, we are like a deck of cards. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> is that the disclaimer? <laughs> <laughs> you just have to deal with it. I mean we we are we we make no uh, statements that we are make, speaking for our church bodies we are speaking for ourselves we are guided by the scriptures and the Lutheran confessions we subscribe to the Lutheran confessions because they uh, exp they do a, a, an excellent job of, of explaining to us what the scriptures teach so as we do so, we are, and we are also just uh, two pastors having a conversation. We are letting you in on a conversation between two pastors as we just sit there and talk about our favorite subject, which is Jesus Christ and him given for you in the Lord's Supper. And so as we do so, sometimes we'll say something that might be a little bit provocative. We, we don't intend necessarily to trigger you, but we do want to educate and inform as well. So if there is something that we say that needs some um, education or whether it needs some clarification, we invite you to reach out to us at St. John and Maribel. You can go to the cave there. The best cave in Maribel is found below St. John Maribel in, in, the, uh, in the basement there where Pastor Will Harley is. You can go to Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, uh, Minnesota, and give all the tough questions to Pastor Dave Endorf. Or you can go to uh, Emmanuel and Shirley for all the, if you want questions that would validate you. I'm, I'm here to validate you. That's a service that I provide. So, <clears throat> in doing so. Not a very good service. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, and on the flip side, if this is something that you find beneficial, useful, uh, help us reach more people that are kind of interested in this subject by liking or um clicking the little bell. If you are listening on a podcast, this is on a podcast. You can go to castingnetspod at podbean.com to listen to this uh, podcast, or you can watch it wherever it is you're watching right now, uh, whether it's on YouTube or on Facebook, and give us uh, four stars. Or don't give us five stars because then uh, that'll be way too much validation. We can only handle so much validation uh, per day. Give us four stars, and that helps the algorithms help others find this podcast as well. And before we forget, this podcast is brought to you um, by our new sponsor, Water. And so uh, um, wherever Water is, they have sponsored our podcast and we thank them for that sponsor. Uh, we do carry Good Coffee. Good Coffee has been a sponsor since the show has started. And Good Tea, not so long after uh, we had started the show, they jumped on board. So if you uh, are drinking Good Coffee, are you drinking Good Tea? Or if you are drinking Water, you are supporting this show. And we give thanks for that. Unless you're drinking Folgers, then you can just... Leave. Folgers tastes like fellowship only, <laughs> only if you're drinking in worship. If we, I'm not in worship. If you're drinking in a fellowship hall, 
and you're drinking Folgers, that tastes like fellowship. I'm telling you, that's See, the only place it does. If you're having it somewhere else, it, it just doesn't have that same quality. And if you're drinking in worship, worship is better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Hey, welcome back to Casting Nets. Thank you for putting up with our pre-show, putting up with our introduction. Uh, We are just having some fun in this conversation. We are going to talk today about something that is passionate for us. Um, I think um, I can say it definitely that that both uh, Pastor Rudat and myself, and I would even include Pastor Endorf, although he's not here to to confirm it, we are sacramental preachers. We love preaching and teaching about the sacraments and the importance of the sacraments in our in our life of um, as a Christian and how God interacts with us through His means of grace. And so it it is an exciting thing for us to bring this passion to you today in our show as we have an opportunity to talk about Holy Communion kind of as itself and then also how it makes its connections into um, the doctrine of fellowship itself and kind of kind of talking a little bit about those two doctrines and and how they link um, in in uh, the practice of Holy Communion. So we get a chance to do that. So before we we kind of begin, let's let's just go to uh, the scriptures, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse sixteen, the second half. Right, uh, the words is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ. Um, uh, so, if you if you have been journeying through your scriptures as you have been uh, kind of taking a look at the letters that are sent out in the epistles, you would probably say this is Paul. This is Paul's words, right, Um, as he is trying to instruct the Corinthian church in what communion is. What is this supper that we are taking part in Um, as it's being used in the service, as it's being used for the edification of God's people? What are we receiving? And and he he kind of phrases this in a rhetorical question, right? Um, So he's 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 he knows the answer. The answer is yes, <laughs> um, but he phrases it in a rhetorical way. Yeah, and it, it's coming from the beginning of the chapter where he's talking about don't be like the Israelites of the Old Testament, which expressed their idolatry in in a way of when Moses is up there on Mount Sinai and they express their idolatry by eating and drinking and engaging in revelry. So this, this idea of this community rebelling against God by its by how it eats and how it drinks. And then he says, but on the flip side, you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you are expressing a unity and a community by eating and drinking, not to excess, but eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ together right. with bread and wine. Yeah, and and so beautifully, and, and, that's, and that's a beautiful way to introduce this because he's, he's, in chapter 10, he does reference back to, okay, they were gathering as a community to do something wrong. And now we're gathering as a community to participate in something wonderful. And in fact, it's not just a participation of those around, but also with our Lord as as he is going to be here with us, uh, which he's going to then bring up in, in chapter 11, right? When he, he talks about the actual practice of communion and he starts giving, you know, what is this that we receive as he gives the words of Christ again to us that are also within the Gospels. Um, and so it's a beautiful for us to take a moment and just uh, uh, talk about what is this communion thing. And, and maybe before we do that, um, maybe we should have a conversation about community itself. And, and maybe we should, should maybe talk about um, the concept of unity, right? The concept of being one uh, with something. So um, maybe you've heard, dear listener, um, people who love to go out into the wilderness and they love to go on hikes. They love to, they love to, to um, find themselves on high mountains to overlook everything. And they, they'll say something like I'm communing with nature, 
right? I'm communing with nature. I'm being uh, at one with nature. Um, that's that. I it, So we use this language outside of the church. I mean, we, we use it with, I love to be out in nature. I love to commune with nature. I love to be at one with nature. That feeling of there's a commonality there. Um, my favorite story uh, from the French, and I don't have a lot of favorite stories that are French, but one that I do enjoy, Three Musketeers, right? All for one and one for all, um, that idea of community. What else we have uh, in... in I, I think on the flip side, you have... In coming out of COVID, just the acknowledgement of the loneliness epidemic that we have that has was there that existed before COVID. And, and also in our conversation, too, with right before, during the pre-show, we were talking about uh, live oh, online worship and, and how it, it does give some things, but it doesn't give everything that we have to offer as the Lutheran Church because you're sitting there or wherever you are, you're by yourself. And the idea of God bringing us together as Hebrews 11 uh, talks about. So there is this, there is this innate, shall we say, desire for humans to be part of something. And uh, Holy Communion allows us to be in a community to express not just an, a, 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 a unity of belief, but also to say, we're, you're not alone. In whatever struggles you're struggling with, here, let's receive the Lord's body and blood together. So um, that would be, for me, I could really see um, the benefit of, of community, just talk, and just for us to do, just be talking about what is happening at our, inside of our, our walls and maybe appreciate, again, what the Lord has instituted for us uh, in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, and it's interesting that so we we kind of rush to the Lord's Supper and we start uh, rushing to almost a spiritual unity that we have um, placed with within the community of believers um, before we get to. And I want to talk more about that because I think there there is an importance there um, when we start talking about that spiritual unity. But I think there's the desire that we have in just in general to have a community of something. Um, so even in the United States, you know, we, we try to propone that we are a community, right? Um, that, that we are American. You could say that, that, that it's a, maybe a superficial moniker, but we are in this grander community of a state, right? We're this grander community of a country. Um, there's certain things that we do, certain things that we accept, certain ways that we think that are, that are common to all. Um, you know, there's these things that, that we seek out. Um, we like our memberships to certain clubs. We like our, uh, our, our friendships and the groups that we gather around us because we are looking for people of like mind. And that does bring us then to the idea of the church and the idea of what, we are searching for beyond just the physicalness of a community. And that's where the Lord's Supper definitely does bring in. And maybe some people would say, um, why do I need the Lord's Supper when we have a church? We could just go to a church, right? And and there's that idea of, well, if I'm going to that church, we're a community. Um and we'd be looking for the same ideals. We'll be looking for the same efforts. We're looking for the same things. Why is, why, and I guess maybe this is a, a really poor question and I apologize, but why is this idea of the church community different from the idea of the communion, holy communion community, the Lord's Supper community, we'll say? Why is there a difference between those two communities? Um, are you saying like, uh, like we're inviting people to come and worship with us? And we're inviting them to come and listen. We're even inviting, as the word works in their heart, we're inviting them to participate. But they don't have to participate. You can come to worship and sit there and not say a thing and not sing a thing. And pastor isn't going to stare you down. He's he's just he's just glad you're there, that you're here to listen to the word of God. And perhaps that word, as God serves you with that word, then that would lead a response. But perhaps not. Perhaps you're there for whatever reason that you're there. Um, but... So is that the question that you're asking? Yeah. Like here, Absolutely. it's kind of like as as we gather for worship here, we want to serve you with God's word, but we also want to serve you with the Lord's Supper too. So whenever you're ready, whenever the Holy Spirit has moved you to say, you know what, I want to be a part of this community. I want to be more. I want to. I want more than what uh, you're offering for me. 
where I want to express a unity. Like this community is my community. Like sometimes there are individuals who come to worship and they go, I never knew I needed this, but I need this. I want this. This is, and this is all spirit driven, not because pastor is so charismatic or that people are so good looking or so like, oh, this is like the in crowd that you want to be with, but because of the message that is being proclaimed and given to you, you're saying to yourself, led by the spirit of God, this is what I, this community is something I want to be a part of. Yeah. And, and that I, you kind of follow And that's why I said it was a poorly worded question. And, and I'm glad you followed along with, with what I was thinking, because I think there is that difference. Um, and I, cause that's where you, that's where we get fellowship and we get um, the Lord's supper kind of segregated off and, and segregated is a really bad way to say it. it. It gets, it gets separated from kind of, it is different than, than what we share when we're all in worship together. And, the, and, and, and it's very, you, you articulated it very well. We want everyone to come and hear God's word. And so when we talk in the, in the Lutheran church, especially, we talk about how is it that God reaches out and he shares his grace with us? How does he give us his grace? That's that undeserved love that, that he pours out into the world. And it is through means. And so we, these are his tools. And of course, his number one tool is the word of God. Right, the, the word of God, the scriptures are the number one tool. How God shares His grace with us, um, but He also shares that grace in in the sacraments, which are are two specific means tools that God uses, and one of those means are for all people. Right, they they it works faith, um, it strengthens faith, it does the whole whole kit and caboodle, um, and that is baptism, and and yes, that is a, another doctrine that we could talk about definitely um but that idea of of baptism for all people right young old child adult um this is this is god pouring out his his love upon them the spirit working in their hearts through the power of the word in an element of water uh, to bring someone to faith then there's this element of communion which is different in the sense of it requires understanding it requires growth and it requires, could I say without being sound like a heretic, it requires commitment. Could, can I say that without necessarily being labeled as a heretic? Well, it requires <laughs> confession. With, when you confess something, you're you are saying. This you're committed what, to it. You're committed to this. And right. that confession is led, is given to you by the work of the Holy Spirit working through the word. So, Absolutely. It's not like uh, what, you have to make a commitment before God's going to do something. No, God has already done something, yes. which then leads you to say, this is this is what I want. This is what I confess, that Jesus Christ suffered and died for me, and right. that he also gives me the very body and blood of which he suffered and died with in this Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of my sins. But I'm committed to it. I'm I'm committed to what, and, and granted, it's not a commitment that I make inside myself, but I'm committed to... I'm committed to the desire of wanting this in my life. I'm committed to having um, uh, and receiving this often. Um, and I'm committed to to um, lifting high um, in other people's eyes. This is important. I, I would I would say uh, you could say that you're committed as long as you forget, you don't forget that the Lord's Supper isn't about what you do. It's not, Absolutely. What, it's not you know, I, I'm going to the Lord's Supper because this is what I do. No, I'm going to the Lord's Supper because this is what I receive. The, the Lord is giving yes. me his body and blood for me. Uh, it's all about him giving, not me doing, not me coming forward. So as long as yep. we, as long as we, when we're talking about conviction and we're talking about confession, that we don't overlook that the Lord's Supper is primarily about God giving his gifts to you. Um, Absolutely. Because that's his good pleasure. And 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 I would even go so far as to say that 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 what he gives not only his gifts but the community that is formed around that meal is given. He he brings us into this and desire and produces a desire in us to want it and a desire for us to gather around it. And so so when we talk about the Lord's Supper, we should probably first dive in and say, okay, we desire this community as Christians. This is the desire of what we want. So let's talk about what is it that we receive. What is this? So you can call it the Lord's Supper. You can call it Holy Communion. You could call it the, the, the sacrament of the altar. Um, you could call it the, the Eucharist, the feast, whatever name you would like to, to give it. What is, 
what's going on in this? Um, let's let's maybe start there and say, okay, what is it when we talk about this doctrine of communion? What are we saying? What what what's going on? <laughs> um, other than the obvious, well, for the for the Lutheran, <laughs> the obvious, uh, which is what Paul was talking about in First Corinthians chapter ten, which is what we are receiving is bread and wine, and at the same time we are receiving body and blood of Christ. Uh, when Jesus says, this is my body, we say, this is his body. When he says, this is my blood, we say, this is his blood. And they're unified in a way that we um, we say, this is here. But we also acknowledge that there is a, um, uh, um, not really, a, not a mystical union, but a, a union, mystery. A mystery. Yeah, there we go. So we say it's in, with, and under. Uh, it's actually, there. his body and blood are actually there in the sacrament, so that's in. It's combined with those earthly elements, that's with, but then it is also um, miraculously joined, and that's under. So this idea, we're, we're, we're eating and we're receiving his body and blood, but we're not digesting his body and blood. Uh, we are, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's the part where it gets mysterious and uh, your mind gets blown. Well, yeah, what are you receiving? Well, I'm receiving his body and blood together with the bread and wine. Are you are you ingesting this? No, I'm just ingesting bread and wine. Um, so for the Christian, you have, and then like when something drops, like if you drop a wafer or you spill some wine, well, have you spilled Christ's blood there? Well, no, because nobody has eaten or drinking, drunk that wine that you spilled or the, the wafer that you dropped. So it's that sacramental union that it is in, in is is plain, a plain following the plain words of Jesus, this is my body, this is my blood, but it is also mysterious in that we, it, it's there, but it's not there. So, <clears throat> and I want to, yeah. I, I want to follow up on what you're saying, but I want to first, I want to first give just a couple of criteria so that we're all on the same page. So when we talk about a sacrament, especially in the Lutheran church, um, when you talk about a sacrament, sacraments have, have three elements. So the three elements are uh, first as, as a physical element, so what is the physical element in the Lord's Supper? It's bread and wine. It then has to offer and convey the forgiveness of sins. So how do we know that? Um, in, in all of the, the words that Christ gives in the, um, so in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, and then again in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, we have the words of Christ, uh, this blood for the forgiveness of sins. So it gives forgiveness of sins. Instituted by Christ, um, okay, on the the night before he was trade, uh, he was betrayed, what did the Lord do? He gave this supper, right? He took bread, uh, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to them, uh, he took the cup, he gave it to them saying, this is instituted by Christ. So those three criteria make this a sacrament. God wants us to have these things. Um, Christ wants us to have these things. It conveys the forgiveness of sins. Uh, it gives this as a gift, and it has this physical element where he's linking uh, uh, something to it, right? Now, what we struggle with is kind of what Pastor Rudat was explaining. How does that work? And so we have the scriptures and we we try our very, very best in, to say what the scriptures say. But we also have our mind <clears throat> that, that tries to figure it all out. And so in the Lutheran church, we, we believe in what is called the real presence. And what do we mean by the real presence? Well, we mean that there is this mysterious union, not a miraculous, not a, a, not a mysterious one, but a a, a, a wonderful union that is a mystery to us on how God does it, but we know he does it because he promises to do it. And what he does is he says, I'm going to keep the bread, bread, and yet it's going to be my body. And I'm going to keep the wine, wine, but it's also going to be my blood. And how do we know? Because he uses a word that seems so very simple. He uses is. And, and so in the English language, we're like, what is that is? It means equal. So bread equals my body and, and this wine equals my blood. And we look at that and we're like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and, and the Lord says, I know, but I said so. And so in the Lutheran church, we're like, okay, so how do we explain that? And that's where you get that in, with, and under. And, and you did a fabulous job explaining how we get the in, with, and under. But it's, it's all trying to say 
God said is, we keep God at his word. He says is. So he is really present. Now, I love how you kind of brought that up. Is he really present when when a wafer falls on the floor or a drip of the wine it dribbles down your chin? Is that is is he there in that? And we would say, no, because it's a person didn't receive that. Now, I don't want anybody who's listening to get it in their head. Oh, so it's receptionist that that it is Christ's body and blood only when it is received by the believer. No, it is the body and blood when anyone receives it during God using it in communion. So if you are an unbeliever, you will also receive Christ's body and blood. If you are a believer, you will receive Christ's body and blood. If you are a Baptist, you will receive Christ's body and blood. A Methodist, receive Christ's body and blood. Um, It does not matter because God promised that when it is used in this way and you receive it, you get it. That's going to be a problem when we talk about fellowship. And it's going to be a problem when we when we start talking about how Paul says if you how you sin against this if you are not recognizing what you're receiving. God promised and then you say I don't believe in God's promise that becomes a problem. But before we get there we should probably just bring into the into the mix, right? Um if go to probably the easiest ones that you can can approach Matthew 26 um will you'll have the words of Christ um, in the in the um, words of institution for baptism, uh, so a, a wonderful place to go there. First uh, Corinthians eleven, another wonderful place to go, uh, where you'll get the words of institution, what Christ says as He institutes this wonderful meal, and you're going to see that word is over and over. Is this is this is this is for you? This is for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and yes, we can probably, uh, post the references if you'd like the references there, um, so that you can look those up. Uh, so also first Corinthians 10, 16, um, you have, as we started it off, uh, where Paul goes into this idea of, isn't this the participation, right? Aren't we receiving these things? Now, how do we respond to that? That's the other part of the the conversation. So what does God promise? God promises that he is here. Christ is here for us in in this element. Um, We gave what the Lutherans have, what we preach and teach, which is this is the real presence. What we're trying to say is we're not going to explain it well. When you leave, you're like, I still don't get it. And we intentionally do that because we want you to see we're we're letting God's word stand. When he says it is, it is. And yet we also know that it is still bread. It is still wine. If you run it through a test, that's what it's going to be. I, I do want to take some time to talk about when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. But um, in order to, um, before we move on, but it, it, it is it. oftentimes that's where... You know, the plain words are there, this is my body, this is my blood, and then they'll, folks who reject that will, will go, well, Jesus says, we'll do this in remembrance of me. Can we talk more about what does Jesus mean when he says, do this in remembrance of me? Can and I then, grab a, a drink of water first? <laughs> Am I putting you in the hot seat? I'm looking for the Bible passages uh, to put up there. So, No, that's fine. It's not a hot seat because... <clears throat> What we so we think in our mind that there has to be one or the other, and I think this is the great fallacy that we have. So he does say, um, um, and the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me." Then after the supper, he took the cup, he gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant or the new Testament, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in our minds, we, we kind of, we, we have a tendency to focus on one or the other, right? So in our minds, we have a tendency to say, okay, is this is really is what he's saying? Or are we going to jump to the end and we're going to say, this is just a, a sign that we are, are, are practicing something as it's pointing ahead to his crucifixion. And the answer is it's both. And this is, this, this is where our mind breaks 
because we want to compartmentalize it and say it has to be one or the other. But the Lord is saying, no, it is both. It, it, it is not one or the other. It is both and. I am present here for you, going to reach through time and space no matter when you celebrate this, and I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be here to, to be physically with you, to give you that hug that you so desperately need. Not just my words, but I'm going to reach through time and space to interact with you in a physical way so that you know that I'm here and you know that my promises are true. And that is true. But on the same side, as I do all of that, I want you to be remembering what it is that I did for you, what it is that I have given for you, and, and the, the, the sin that I took into myself that was yours, the punishment that I took upon myself that was yours, and the resurrection that I also went through that it now is yours because you are forgiven because this is my gift. And so yes, it is a it is both a <clears throat> it is both a, a, it's a both and not a one or the other. And this is where we get into trouble because and, and did I first of all I should probably just say did did I exhaust the explanation well? <laughs> oh, it it's it's uh it is it is a both and. Jesus says remember this by taking me. You know, remember what I did in right. the past by taking the very body and blood that I shed for you on the cross there. Um so it is a. I, that's how I've explained it to confirmation kids as well. That it is both a something that God gives and also something that we remember at the same time. Absolutely. It's not one or the other. Absolutely. And so, so always when you approach it, you you don't just think of it's one or the other. It is both and. Now this is where we are going to <clears throat> run into a problem in Christendom, <laughs> and this is where the 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 church divides. So when we're talking about the doctrine of communion, we haven't even hit fellowship yet, but we talk about the doctrine of communion, of holy communion of the Lord's Supper. This is where we divide. So the divide comes in: what are you receiving? The divide comes in in what do you get? So Zwingli and Luther had a conversation, and they were conversing as to whether or not they could be united in their uh, um, putting up a front against Catholicism. And during the entire conversation, uh, Luther hinted and then eventually even said to Zwingli, uh, who was the founder of the uh, Reformed tradition, uh, said, we are of a different spirit. That, that we are not approaching things in the same way, that we are not agree, agreeing in what Scripture says in the same way. And one of the places that he pointed to is he said, is, Luther had said, is means is. In other words, Luther was looking at the, at the Scriptures, he was looking at what, what Jesus himself said, and he says, I cannot move beyond saying, God said it is bread and it is wine, or it is bread, it is body, it is it is wine and it is blood. And Zwingli had a confession that said it represents. So in other words, <clears throat> Zwingli in the Reformed tradition was, this is not Christ's body and blood. And he had said that because Christ cannot be bodily in heaven in his ascension and bodily here at every time you receive the sacrament. And to Luther, and I would say to our, myself, and I would, uh, I'm speaking maybe for you, we would say he's God. Of course he can do that. <laughs> he can be 100% anywhere he wants to be because he is God. But Zwingli would say, no, that, does, that breaks the brain. That, that, that doesn't seem reasonable. And so he said, this represents, and he focused on the last half in remembrance instead of taking it all in and saying it's both. Correct. And also the the um, the human natures of Christ, confusing the human natures. Like, well, Jesus is a human being, so he can't go be everywhere where the Lord's Supper is present. He can't, he, he's in heaven. That's the only place where he's, that's where he stays. And uh, a, a confusion of the two attributes, the, the combination of the attributes of, of God and man in Christ. That when Christ says to you, and, and for us as Lutherans, we just say is, is is it's pretty plain. He says this that I'm this bread that I have here is my body. And even some of the the um the reformed as they're trying to get together with Luther, they would uh, who was was that Zwingli or was that Kallstrup? 
Kolstadt who would, who would say, well, when Jesus said this, he's actually pointing to his body, like this is my body and this is my blood or something like that, where it, it defies their, the mind has such a hard time with the fact that the human nature of Christ can be wherever, yes. the, wherever Christ tells himself, tells us that his human nature can be. Um, so this body, this bread, this wine, when Jesus says these things, it, um, it's, it, it's not, it's not, it's, it's hard for us to rationalize. And so, I mean, we, in a certain sense, we sympathize with those, but we submit ourselves to the scripture. Whatever the scripture says, it right. is, it is. And so that's where we rest. We don't rest in our human nature or our human reason trying to figure it out. And, and the problem that we have is, and, 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 I, and, and this was a great segue into it, why it divides the, the Christendom on this topic is because you have to change what the scripture is saying to believe in, in the representation view. So to say that 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 God did not mean or that Christ did not mean that it is his body and that this is his blood, then you're and it only is representation, you have to change what was going on. It almost becomes a disjuncted conversation within the scriptures that he's handing out this bread and pointing to himself instead. That that it 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 makes that whole conversation disjuncted. Um not only that, but but when he gives the words to Paul and he says, I've learned this from Christ himself. Was he saying, "Okay, take this bread," but he's pointing to his? It 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 makes that a conversation that doesn't seem like it would be a normal conversation in any circles in any place when something was being done. Not only that, but he doesn't say the words. This is similar to. He's not using the words like, "Oh, you know this this body is similar to, or is a um, an image of, or representation of." He says is. So the, he's using he, all those words are available in Greek. He could have used them at any time, but he purposely uses a linking verb, a, a verb that makes it equal to when he's using this. And so this divides the church. Yeah. Because one is a belief now of in the Lutheran church, God coming to us and bringing a gift. And in the Reformed, it is, I am doing a service in remembrance. So now you, you one becomes a gift, and the other becomes an action. And that action is also true in Roman Catholicism teaching as well, where the Lord's Supper is now turned into, into his body and blood of Christ. It has changed. It, even though it tastes like bread and wine, now it has changed its substance into something new that only the priest can do because he's got the apostolic succession. So he's doing some magic, some hocus pocus. Uh, if you yes. know the Latin terms. So that's where we get hocus pocus from is when people were listening to the priests saying, this is my body in Latin. Hic, 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 hic and so Hoc, it sounds, sounded like corpus. Oh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it becomes hocus pocus, hocus pocus. Corpus. Yeah, um, and again, it becomes an act, something that we do for God or something that the priest does instead of how Jesus intended it to be is take, eat, this is this is for you, this is for the forgiveness of sins, this is my body, this is stuff that I'm doing for you rather than you doing for me. So I would, I would back off just slightly and say that in the Catholic Church, the problem is, is again, falling on uh, a different side of the coin. So in the Catholic Church, instead of uh, falling like the Reformed do on the side of a remembrance, the Catholic Church says this falls on the side of we. this is Christ's body and blood, but so much so that we have now removed the bread and the wine. So again, they, they have taken the words of Christ and they have said, um, this transforms. Well, in Greek, we already know there is a word for transforms. We've seen it in the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. If Jesus meant to say, this transforms into my body, he would have said those words, this transforms into my body. But what we're trying to do, and and, and I have to give credit where credit is due, what the Catholic Church tried to do was remove any doubt of what was being received to the point that Luther said, if he was forced to make a choice to join in communion with Zwingli or the Pope, 
He said, I would, I would commune with the, not saying he was going to, but he said, if I, if I only had the two choices, he would commune with the Pope because at least the body and blood of Christ is present, right? There was that common understanding that the body and blood of Christ is present, that the gift of the Savior is still there. Now, that doesn't make them right in how they're understanding it. It just says, at least they're acknowledging what Christ is saying, that he is here. So there's so you have a division. Yeah, and those are the words of Luther. You know, our confessions are going to say, you know, there's a third yes. option. There <laughs> you, is you third can, option. There's, you don't have to choose between Roman Catholicism <laughs> or the Reform. The third option is <laughs> the Lutheran Church. Go commune there. <laughs> the third option is the real presence, which is let God's word stand, which you will find in the Lutheran Church at St. John in Maribel and at Emmanuel and Shirley. I don't know. Can we say it's going to be there in? I can confidently <laughs> say it'll be there in Brooklyn Park, at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park. I know you can. He and this and and so we can definitely say this is where you're going to find um, God's word being proclaimed. Now, let's talk about the fellowship thing. Yes, uh, unless you're ready to get something else to talk about. No, I, I I mean I could talk about I could talk about all the other nuances of this as you go down. Um, but I, I think it has to be said before we talk about the fellowship that that where the words of institution are used in their entirety, where where Christ's words are repeated, his promise remains. So that means that whether you like to understand it in a certain way or not, his promise is there, which is going to cause an issue when we start entering into the idea of fellowship. It was Paul who says that if you do not understand what you are receiving, and if you are not coming uh, um, prepared to receive that, that you sin against the body and the blood of Christ. Because body and blood of Christ are there in, with, and under that bread and wine because Christ promised that it would be there. Okay? So what does that do now? What does that do now? for this idea of fellowship. I think I'll let you start the conversation off on that. I think it's really, and he, he preloads that by when we're talking about you know, the one loaf and the, the one cup where we are making a confession together that this is a, a group confession of this is what we are receiving. And not only this, but we're also receive we also are confessing the same thing that we're receiving, but we're also confessing that this per- person, Jesus Christ, is the Son of God who lived, died, and suffered in, for the forgiveness of sins, for our forgiveness of sins. So you're making a common confession. So it's important that as you are communing that it isn't just a singular thing. Like, well, I can go to the Reformed Church because I know I'm going to re- receive the, the body and blood of Christ. Or I, even though they may confess one thing, I know what I'm receiving because they're using the same exact words, that, unless they change the words. But they, they're using the same words as Scripture. Roman Catholicism, I can go commune there because even though uh, they believe that it changes into something else, they use the same words. Even, I hope, even if they're using them in Latin, they're using the same words. And uh, it's a reminder to us that the Lord's Supper is not is an individual thing, but it isn't only an individual thing. Right. It is also a, communi- a communion. This is also a fellowship. This is also a, uh, a community getting together, confessing something, and also receiving something. And not only that confession, but it's also a care. And this is where I would, I would, I would add and tack on to that, that if you, are, if you are going to a church and they use the words that Christ has used and they take them right from the scriptures and, they, and, and you have the institution of the elements, but you know that that church's confession denies everything that had been said, and yet you take communion with them, you're saying, I don't care. I don't care that you are, everyone else with me is taking this to their harm because they're slapping God in the face and saying, I refuse to, to listen to the promises and I refuse to, to acknowledge those promises are mine. Um, that's unbelief. And you're saying, I don't care. I'm fine. And so you've, you've completely, you've completely rejected the whole point of communion. Because communion is not just for your strength, but it is for the strengthening of the body of believers. And and so how can you say we're strengthening the body of believers 
when you're allowing and tolerating and supporting an unbelief in the very gifts that are being given. And I I think that's where we sometimes fail to understand. We think that it is a judgment on their faith. And we're not judging on whether or not they're Christian. We're saying this is this is something very serious because God is trying to give you a gift. God is working in not only my life, but your life and the life of this congregation. And you are rejecting it to your harm. You're, you're, you're saying, God, what you are giving, which you're going to give no matter if I believe it or not, isn't really there. And so now it's now it does not benefit me. It harms me. In fact, I've taken what God has said as a gift and now I've made it my work. Aren't you happy that I did this? No, because this wasn't meant for God to be happy that you did something. It's meant for, aren't you happy that I, the Lord, have done this for you? (laughs) Um, And I have given this for you and for your life and for the life of of my body in this place. So we talk about fellowship and in in understanding what is it that that God has given. And we broaden it out. And I and I understand. So there's there's three ways. I'm gonna back up just a little bit. There's three ways that you can understand this idea of fellowship in the in communion. And that's one is open, one is close, and one is closed. And and I think that we should maybe go through and just say, okay, what is the difference? What is open? What is closed and what is close? And I, I kind of reverse the order there, if you understand. Um, well, one of those uh, doesn't isn't real. <laughs> so, open communion would be allowing just about anyone to like. It's up to you to decide whether uh, you believe the same things that we do. So there there is there is a neglect of care on the opposite side. So not is it just the participants who are worshiping who don't really care? Now it's the church doesn't care. Uh, about your what you confess and believe the church doesn't care about doctrine at all it just as long as we're all receive it's 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 taking this wonderful gift of community and made it, making an idol out of it like this is more important to us than god and his word so that's open communion well then the other one which i said isn't really a thing is closed with a d communion that's not really a thing it's not it's as um close communion is the idea we are to commune with those who are close to us, who believe, who confess the same things that we are are confessing. It's never meant to be exclusionary in in and of itself. It's always meant to say, we want you to be with us. We want you to be close with us. We don't want to say, no, at this point, uh, we're, we're going to separate the real Christians from the other Christians that are here. No, it's, uh, we care about you. We don't want you to take this to your harm. We want to, we'll spend the time to make sure that you we... That we, as John says, we confess Jesus Christ, so that you can also confess it too. So we're we we're willing to take that time before we join in this community event. That's also singular because it's Christ forgiving sins yeah. individually. So two of those are correct. One is a misnomer, a a a, 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 a wrong nomenclature of what's going on at the, in the Lutheran circles. And I would also say it is, but as as much as it's a wrong nomenclature, it is practiced by some churches because they feel it's the safest way. So, and so closed communion is the idea that if you are not a member of this church, particular the visible church that that we're in, if you are not a member um, who a confirmed member specifically of this church, you can't take communion. And that idea is because we don't want to have those conversations of what it is. Do you do you believe what we believe when it comes? to the Lord's Supper, you know, um, they don't want to have those conversations and they don't want to feel as if they have given the Lord's Supper to somebody who truly is not prepared and ready to receive it. And so they just close themselves off from everything and say, you must be a member of this church. And this is not the way that we we want to be in the Lutheran church. It's not the way that you should be in the Lutheran church. Like you said, we should be looking at close, you know, are we in fellowship, do we understand the doctrines of the church? Do we understand what we're receiving in the Lord's Supper? Now, I think the question that comes up when it comes to the Lord's Supper is how much fellowship is enough fellowship? How much understanding is enough understanding? And that's right? that's the great debate. And that we've had that debate in the in the practice of, of confirmation. Like how much do we teach our confirmants before we receive the Lord's Supper? Um, yeah. And Luther's in its explanation of the fourth, you know, how often should we receive the Lord's Supper? Well, those who I forget how it. Sorry, I can't. I get I get my translations of the the confirm the, uh, the explanation 
to the reception of the Lord's Supper messed up. But just this idea of recognize what well, do you recognize that you're a sinner? And then and and then um if you do, if you recognize what you're receiving. Yeah? Okay, then according to that, you could receive the Lord's Supper. So then where the question <laughs> is, is it then like how much how much do we have to tell you about what it means to be a sinner? Like right. how much how much do you need to know about how how bad of a sinner you are? Because and how many ways can you sin? And so that's where you would take from that the expansion of everything and what the scriptures would say. But then even in confirmation class, we're not even yeah. teaching them everything that the scriptures yeah. say. We're teaching them a, a basic uh, of of that. And so, so and, and to expand out on what we're talking about, are you prepared for communion? You would say, am I a sinner? Yes or no. Um, if you say yes, do you understand your need for forgiveness? So you could say, yes, I'm a sinner, but I don't care. Um, so do you understand your need for forgiveness? Do you understand that Christ forgives your sins? And, and he did this through his, his death and resurrection. Um, then do you understand that what you are receiving is Christ himself in body and blood, bread and wine for you for this forgiveness? Yes. And do you also believe that once you receive this, you, you are forgiven to live a new and holy life? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we're, we, we understand what we're receiving. And, and here's the problem when it comes to fellowship. We've taken this. And you said, and, and, and we have this, I have this still today in, in the church, and I'm sure you do as well. When you have a visitor who comes and then a visitor who talks with me, I ask them those questions. And I know that my elders look at me and say, but pastor, they might not be a Wells member. They might not be an ELS member. Um, and you're like, okay, but these are, this is what they're receiving. And this is, this is the marker, right? This is the mark. Do you understand what you are receiving? But now you expand that out and you say, but they have confessed to be a member of the Methodist church. They've confessed to be a member of the Baptist church. That's where they normally go. So on one hand, you're praising the Lord because they understand communion for what it is. (laughs) Great. But they are actively a member of of a confessing church body that does not believe that and teaches against it. What do you do? I think this is, yeah, this is, that's the question. And that's the area where pastors wrestle with and congregations wrestle because you don't want to give fuel to error to say, well, this is yeah. like, you don't say, oh, we confuse, like you don't want your members going out there and saying, well, we a commune a Methodist today. And, and, and that's, it's like, well, that's not the message that you're trying, you're intending to say. This is the, 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 um, the tension that we have with the invisible church and the visible church as they intersect with one another. The visible church is a, an, an extension of the invisible church. It expresses itself through its confession. And, but that confession may also be in error. So someone might be part of a visible church that they don't agree with. That this is well, they're a member of that because of their parents were whatever the reasons are, so that's where it gets sticky. Um, that's why it's it's often better just to go back on what do you confess, what are you what are you a member of, and then right. if you are still a member of that Methodist church, let's have that conversation. I know you probably could receive the Lord's Supper, but in order to uh, alleviate consciences and to prevent misunderstandings of what's going on. Let, let's wait. Let's let's do let's do the due diligence instead of just rushing into something. Well, and and then it comes into the fact sometimes they don't talk to you, but they come and they receive communion. So do you refuse it to them while they're coming up to the table, even though you've made every announcement that said, you know, do we, you know, if you believe the same thing as we do, um, and you're in fellowship with what it is that we're preaching and teaching, and you're properly prepared, you can come forward and receive this. So they come forward, and so you you kind of look at that and say, okay, they're taking this on themselves. At this moment, they're taking this on themselves. And then you're shaking hands at the back and they come through and you shake hands with them and you say, can we please have a conversation about, about church <laughs> and about, about the gifts that God gives? And, and I just had that conversation with, with uh, um, a member or not a member, but it's a, a family member of a member. And I shook his hand and he said, he says, what do we need to talk about? And I'm like, well, the gifts that God gives us in the church and through the church. I suppose we could talk about it. <laughs> I mean, that's the follow-up. So, so we have to do our due diligence, right? 
that as pastors and as people that we're not condemning a person who comes up and receives communion, even though you give a warning and you say, we would like to have these conversations, but you also have to then on the flip side, be willing to stop and say, I want to make doubly sure. And I need to have these questions because eventually in that question, no matter how you want to skin the grape, you could, and thank God that maybe the the the, the Catholic person who comes and gathers around uh, and has come up for communion because they're like, I believe that this is Christ's body and blood in, with, and under the bread and the wine, because that is what Jesus says. And I am a sinner and I am in need of this and Christ forgives my sins. And, and this is good for me. And well done, good and faithful servant. Awesome. But if you continue to confess to be, and go, by confession, I mean, going to the Catholic church on a regular basis to receive your, your growth, is this truly what you are believing? Because why would you want to be a part of something that does not share and confess the same thing in all things that you believe? That has to come out. Yeah, the Lord's Supper is messy. You know, like, are we gonna the, when we start going down this road of should we yeah. or shouldn't we commune people? And then it 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 just gets messy because we are going to make mistakes as pastors, as congregations. Yep. Uh, someone comes up, we give them a benefit of doubt, or maybe we do have that conversation with them um, beforehand. Uh, it gets messy, and again, you you mentioned this before about the church has a responsibility, the individual has a responsibility as well. So, whose responsibility is this? And we, in all of these what ifs and what if, and and this extenuating circumstances and all of this, we never throw away the principle. The principle is always that this is a wonderful meal that Christ has given His church to give for the forgiveness of sins. This is something that we receive. We're receiving His forgive his body and blood together with the bread and wine for our forgiveness, for the strengthening of our faith. This is something God does for us. And he is using sinful human beings to administer it to us as well. So it's just, yeah. and a sinful uh, individuals of a church to, to administer it. It's, it's going to be messy. It's never going to be clean. And our desire for it to be as clean as we, as the scriptures outlined for us in principles can sometimes lead us off the rails, like you said, to that closed communion aspect of, of someone saying, well, no, only the people that are members here are only people that I know. Are, are, we're not even going to welcome visitors up to, up here. Like if you're a visitor, you have you don't even think about coming up here. But it, that's easier because then you don't have to have those, those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And, and I, and, and this is where, and this is where you can look at your pastor and you can, and some people have labeled them as a heretic because they're trying their very best to practice this in a, in a way that is good and God pleasing. And you're like, but I know they're a Catholic and pastor let them take communion. And I know that they were, and it's like, well, maybe those people did come up and they talked with their past, your pastor. And, and he asked them those questions and they said, absolutely. I believe this. And here working on getting into the conversation of, if this is what you truly believe, maybe you should be here, if at all possible. Or if you're not from our community, you should be seeking out a Wells congregation within your community because this is what you believe and God God be praised. Um, and you should be with the body of believers that are going to help you grow in that understanding and that faith. Um, and maybe you are working with that person, right? Or you're trying to, to get those conversations going. Um, now, some people have said, well, you still can't condone it, right? Because that's a transgression. Um, this is what makes it hard. And the reality that that any min, any good ministry um, in word and in sacramental ministry is a triage. It's bloody. It's dirty. It's messy. A lot of people are screaming. Um, some people are 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 saying and that not the just the two-year-olds and, that are screaming. <laughs> not just the two-year-olds. Some 82-year-olds are screaming. <laughs> Because it's a very messy thing, like you said, the, the ministry of the gospel is a very messy thing. Um, but that doesn't mean we throw the principles away, and it doesn't mean that we throw the doctrines away. But it does mean that we we must take each person individually, and we must ask these questions, and 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 take their confession for what it is. But on the other side, we must do our due diligence, as you've said as well, and I've said to say, okay, but we have to have a follow up conversation. And maybe that means next time, please refrain until we can have that conversation more in depth. Not because I'm questioning you. I just want to make sure. And then also, 
I would maybe say this. Um, for those who are in fellowship and are enjoying these things, um, be joyful in what you're receiving um, because God is ripping open heaven and he is coming through time um, to come to you, to you specifically, uh, to give his body to you 100%. It's not just a portion of it. It's 100% Christ for you, um, for your forgiveness, so that you can live together <laughs> when you leave that table free with the person next to you who also received the same thing. Uh, and that is just a, a wonderful gift.